0: To episode nine of God versus God, where our season has now reached, I would say the third quarter. Yeah, proceeding toward the dramatic fourth quarter conclusion. Right. Unlike uh, the NBA finals, you don't have to watch the whole thing. You can kind of catch the last two minutes, but in God versus God, you got to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, Just one detail, you're lost. Count on your help. That's right. So we've accumulated eight divine winners so far, each of whom. We'll reach our final judgment round in the episodes ahead. And of course, each has taken home that episode's golden apple, but at the season's end, there can only be one who will receive the golden goat and come out of retirement to save us from our troubled times, Yes, which frankly seem to be getting more troubled by the day. So we really ought
1: to step (laughs) out a little bit. It's a good thing we're hitting the fourth quarter. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.
0: Well, as always, Andrew, we went to the fates to draw our next two contestants for this installment and boy, did those fates deliver. We got we got two heavy hitters yep. in this one, both Olympians seemingly very different from one another on the surface, but each, I would say, fascinating in his own way. For sure. We've got Poseidon versus Mercury. Now, quickly before we dig in, I did receive a message from a loyal listener last week who particularly enjoyed our discussion of Parthenogenesis
1: okay, episode
0: six. That's, of course, explaining how Athena entered the world by springing fully formed from the head of her father, Zeus, now, this individual who wrote in identifies as a professor and a parasitologist a oh. phd no less so the comment does mean a lot and he mentioned these tiny aquatic animals called rotifers who are females only and they rely entirely on parthenogenesis okay. to reproduce wow which i imagine to some females of our own species might seem like a pretty good situation but yeah. uh only for the rotifers at this point uh, he did say there was only he was only on episode six so far, so he's okay. presumably at this point still unaware of the scientific joy to be had in episode eight, where, of course, due to some Zeus shenanigans, Heracles has a twin brother with a different father. And so I responded to this listener, I said, with great pride, Doctor, you enjoyed the Parthenogenesis. Stick around for the heteropaternal super fecundation. And Andrew, as you know, I've done a bit of advertising copywriting in my day, and that's the kind of pithy sloganeering you can expect from. <laughs> a professional like myself. Stick around. Yeah, stick around. So let's get it going. Episode nine, God versus God, Poseidon versus Mercury. As always, may the best God win. Yep. So I'm gonna start with Poseidon. I'm gonna start with something a little different. There's an audio clip I'm going to play. Okay. And we're gonna start it here. Now, as I was preparing the episode several days ago, just as I sat down in my chair to begin researching Poseidon, we here in Chicago were treated to a very loud and dramatic summer storm. Yeah. Which, considering it's Poseidon, it really did feel like an omen that our first contestant in this episode was was kind of ready for his close-up. You know, Poseidon's been kind of it's on the sidelines the first eight episodes. He's the god of storms. He was making himself heard directly to one of the show's co-hosts. Now, as we'll hear tonight, I, well, I believe Poseidon is a very flawed figure in this competition, in many ways even a villain of sorts, I do appreciate that he found the time to make a personal (laughs) introduction uh, in advance of the episode. Almost felt like a threat. Well, somewhere between a a flex of power and maybe even like a subtle bit of bribery uh, from Poseidon to kind of put his thumb on the scale a little bit. And and, I would say this is, this would be a first, I mean, for, for the record, I've never received any prophecies from Apollo. I haven't gotten any fire from Prometheus, any not even a complimentary bottle of Cabernet Franc from Dionysus. So if the gods are listening uh, all of our divine finalists are will be well advised to take note that uh i do play chicago style i do <laughs> respond well to bribery and may well factor into my judgment well, so that
1: has, a, has a long history of playing out well <laughs> for a time until it doesn't uh now poseidon to
0: his credit also knew when to stop with the storm he didn't throw in an earthquake He didn't send a horse to the front door, have a dolphin wash up on on our patio. He knew that that might be kind of overdoing it, so he knew when to say when. But he certainly could have done that because his God toolkit does contain all of those things. So Poseidon is is a quadruple threat, God of the sea, storms, earthquakes, and horses. Now, of course, the Romans know him as Neptune, but in keeping with at least my tradition, I will be using the Greco rather than the Roman. I believe you're going to use the Roman later, which I'm will be a nice. Roman, combat, yeah. yeah. But we'll stick with Poseidon for for this first segment. Now, he also holds the epithet earth shaker, which strikes me as one of the one of the cooler nicknames we've heard on yeah. the program. Uh above all, of course, he's known for being a god of the sea, strikes a very familiar image there. Of course, he's usually bearing his his trident, which is that three-pronged implement Traditionally, uh, it was used for fish spearing back in the day, and right. that would be typical for the Greeks of the time living by the coast. But as we'll hear, Poseidon used his trident for a great many other destructive purposes. Uh, occasionally, as a side weapon, he also will wield a boulder that is encrusted with marine creatures. So, of course, <laughs> like some octopi, some some fish, some crawdads—kind of this weaponized, portable, rolling seafood tower of sorts. Uh, he's always got a crown on, or most of the yeah. time, and he's often shown wearing. A wreath of wild celery. So, also thinking good dietary practices. He's working <laughs> some vegetables in with, with the seafood tower Get for the fiber. Yeah, that's a balanced meal.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Poseidon will have multiple residences as one of the, yeah, the kind of the OG Olympians. So he's got spends plenty of time with his fellow top tier gods up in Olympus. But being the god of the sea, he also has a nice underwater spread down there. This yeah. palace on the ocean floor, fashioned of coral and gems. Uh, Plato even suggested had him living in Atlantis which I assume oh, okay. he meant the now lost city of Atlantis, not the giant resort down in the Bahamas, although I'm sure he would have <laughs>
1: hey, felt place there too.
0: very comfortable down there as well. Uh, but to get from home to home, he had a fitting ride. It did Poseidon. He had a chariot that was pulled by four creatures known as the hippocampus. So sort of picture like a big half horse, half fish that can ride along the sea. Right. And when Poseidon is riding the sea, even if the seas are angry, according to the so-called historians of the time, yeah, sure. uh, the seas calm right down when Poseidon and his big old seahorse monsters roll by. So he yeah. commands every part of the sea. Now, as for the origin story, you know, we've had a number of of, of Poseidon stories that have factored in past episodes. And in my memory, he, he rarely comes up well. No. Always no. kind of seems like an entitled brat. He's got great inherited power, but really questionable moral compass. So I want to touch briefly on a few of those stories, but I, I want to Challenge myself to give him a fair shake this time, you know, to try to to empathize, get his side of the story, try to walk okay. in his shoes, which I presume are some kind of high-end sandals, maybe some aqua socks. Uh, Flippers. and really try to, to get inside his head. Flippers, but yeah, that would that would be that would be appropriate. Now, his birth, of course, will be familiar to listeners from both episode two and episode four, because we covered it both in terms of Demeter, you did, yep, and then I did in terms of Hades and The basics are the same. You've got, you know, the the parents are the Titans, Cronus and Rhea. Cronus has this prophecy, of course, his children are going to overthrow him. So he devours them as soon as they're born. That's pretty familiar. So Poseidon, along with his siblings, Hades, Demeter, Hestia, Hera, they all spend their early years within the digestive system of their paranoid father. Until, of course, the last of the brood, the mighty Zeus, gets snuck away. He's replaced by a stone. Cronus disgorges the children and proves the prophecy correct and that okay. they do ultimately overthrow him in the Titanomachy, along with the rest of the Titans. So, sorry about that, Cronus. You were you were right the first time. Uh, there is a slightly alternate telling of it that I learned uh, for this episode, however, that okay. like Zeus, Poseidon himself is also stolen away before his father can eat him. This is not the predominant myth, but it's okay. still in the mix. So, he gets snuck away. His mother, Rhea, does the job, uh, seeing some of her other children obviously devor- devoured mm-hmm. by Her husband has made an impression on her. So this time, Rhea hides among a flock of lambs, gives birth to Poseidon there, and then persuades her husband, Cronus, that she has, in fact, given birth to a colt rather than a baby. So a small lamb gives that to her husband instead. Of course, he devours that, but but she puts Poseidon on the side, protects him. Which, I mean, every good old Greek man loves a good lamb dish, so it's not surprising. He would have gone for it. The story checks out. But now considering the story again from Poseidon's perspective, I think I have even less sympathy for him because instead of growing up, you know, in close kind of gastrointestinal quarters yeah. with his siblings, he's lovingly raised in a field of lambs, which sounds kind of bucolic, perhaps mm-hmm. even delicious from time to time. Uh, so that sounds like a really nice upbringing. So so the, this hard scrabble childhood that I had distributed to him, and now I'm starting to wonder about that. It um, yeah, was so anyway, too, too easy. He was Yeah, that's right. He was soft. He didn't have that digestive upbringing (laughs) that the rest of them did so we'll recall after the 10-year Titanomachy the Olympians of course defeat the Titans Cronus gets his lifetime sentence down and Tartarus of the world is divided then among the three top tier gods Zeus of course gets the sky Hades receives the underworld and Poseidon gets the sea Poseidon also gets that trident that he gets as a thank you gift, it's forged by the Cyclopes for, as a thank you gift for winning the war, setting them free from their imprisonment, and becomes this invaluable tool for unleashing chaos in the years ahead. Now, pretty early on, Poseidon decides, once he gets the sea, he really wants to lock in that domain. So he pursues uh, a young woman named Amphitrite, a beautiful uh, sea goddess whose father is Oceanus, the father of all the river gods and goddesses. Pretty smart move. He's essentially securing the family business by marrying, essentially, the old boss's daughter, saying, all right, if you've got the rivers, I've got the sea, let's make this happen. Uh, Amphitrite isn't as crazy about the union at first, about marrying Poseidon, doesn't rub her the right way, so she flees to the Atlas Mountains to protect her virginity. Uh, And Poseidon is is taken by her, but he doesn't feel like going through the effort of looking for her directly, so he delegates the task to a friendly dolphin, um, he's the god of the sea. So the dolphin is essentially an employee. Um, sends the dolphin. The dolphin not only can, defines Amphitrite, but he somehow talks her into going through with the marriage. So The wait, dolphin it, apparently can can talk as well, it turns out.
1: And they, it is in the mountains.
0: In the mountains. So it is not only <laughs> has impressive verbal skills, but can really get around in ways yeah, that you don't expect. I want to picture this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So the dolphin is is a very persuasive dolphin. Talks her into it. And Amphitrite does marry Poseidon, does become uh, queen of the sea, and Poseidon is very has a lot of gratitude toward the dolphin for this. So, as a token of, of favor for the dolphin, he creates the Delphinius constellation of stars as a little thank you note. Okay, not clear to me what uh, what a dolphin is supposed to do from having a constellation, but I suppose it's a, you know thought that counts, I guess. Uh, and it's a good opportunity, once again, to to remind our listeners of how astronomy works. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. With the flesh of a God's hand. So big story from episode six. You remember about Athena, the goddess of wisdom. Of course, she and Poseidon have this competition to determine who's going to be the primary God of the city of Athens. Each of them is going to present a gift to the Athenians. The people are going to vote. The winner receives the city's undying devotion. So Poseidon, as we talked about that episode, sticks to his strengths. He sticks the ground with his mighty trident. Up comes a saltwater spring and springs out of the ground. And Athena, in turn, gives Athens its first domesticated olive tree, which, of course, as we said, is useful for food, for oil, for wood. And she gets the most votes, only by one, because she locked in the, the female electorate. But as a result, she wins Athens. Now, In that previous episode, I gave Poseidon some heat for kind of phoning it in, just sort of saying a little salty stream, you could have done better. Uh, It seemed a little lazy to me, and the Athenians probably thought so too. It just seemed it was salty, it was undrinkable. But on further investigation, Andrew, it seems Poseidon had that gift as something bigger in mind. He was thinking of it as a symbol representing opening up Athens to trade, opening trade routes with that spring. It was going to create more water, allow ships to come in and out. Which ultimately did happen. Athens became a very, at its height, yeah. was a great sea power. So despite rejecting that gift, I think Poseidon had this sort of symbolic gift in mind. Um, so kind of forward looking. And you know, now that I look at it with fresh eyes, not only are you opening up economic possibilities, you if you accept the gift, you're also opening up some waterfront real estate, which of course is going to boom the local economy. So he was really thinking ahead more than I gave him credit for. Yeah, uh, just didn't sell it properly. Yeah, you know,
1: if if you have to explain the gift,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's not working. It looks like a little salty stream, but yeah, at that point, already <laughs> taken by the olive tree, and it's too late. Yeah. So, you know, forward-thinking gift. That said, when he loses the election, he's so upset that he just throws a, a, a you know a huge Poseidon-style tantrum, sends a monstrous flood across the attic right. plain and causes all kinds of chaos and mystery. So, a misery rather. So in the end, the Athenians do kind of get, get it all. They get plenty of water, they get their trade routes, they get all the olives they need to yeah. keep them in martinis for centuries. Um, but certainly a case of, of, of Poseidon being a pretty sore loser. Right. That said, with a little more digging, there is more to the story as well. So in a second version, Poseidon's gift is not a little spring, but he strikes his trident in the ground. And what should appear but the very first horse? Now we're talking about a very different calculus here—a yeah. horse versus an olive. Now the balance may, may may change a little bit because you've got, you know, beyond just this one horse, you've got a new mode of transportation. You've got potentially a new form of recreation and in, in horse races. Right. You ultimately can make jello from the hooves down the road. I mean, all kinds of, of things you can do yeah, with the, the list. Persona. Possibilities, yeah. Um. In this version, though, Athena and her olive tree still win, and he still causes the flood and and chaos ensues again. But on the plus side, because of this, the part of the myth that survives is that Poseidon is forever associated with the horse. And he's credited not just with making it up, but teaching people how to manage horses with a bridle. Uh, He becomes the patron of charioteers. And yes, he is both the inventor and the protector of the horse race. So next time you're down at the track, you know, watching the ponies, maybe putting a little... Little deuce on the nose of a nag. You got old man Poseidon to
1: thank. I don't that. know what those me- words mean. <laughs>
0: uh, horses aside, the sea, of course, will be the biggest source of worshiping for Poseidon. The sailors will will seek his help when they go for a long or dangerous voyage, uh, and in battle, in many cases, a military leader will seek Poseidon's favor before the big battle by True. just sending a group of horses into the sea as a sacrifice before the battle. Mm-hmm. Which, again, strategically sounds a little silly. You're probably going to need those horses in battle. <laughs> but on the other hand, horses plus the sea, kind of a Poseidon double play. So he's yeah. going he's, he's gonna to love that. So he will grant you favor on the battlefield if you make that sacrifice. So that's the bit about the horse. It also factors into one of the more bizarre stories in what I would, I think, generously called Poseidon's, uh, let's call it a checkered uh, love life. Yeah. So episode two, Andrew, of course, you covered Demeter, the goddess of the harvest. I don't think you mentioned her run in with Poseidon. I cannot blame you for skipping it. It's a very strange story. Uh, But given the flow of this one, the preponderance of horses seemed necessary to include here. Uh, So Poseidon begins pursuing Demeter. Of course, we'll recall that's his older sister. Uh, They may or may not have shared the gastrointestinal tract of their father for all those years. But in any case... Poseidon takes a fancy to Demeter. Now she rebuffs his advances for many clear reasons uh, to so much. So she gets annoyed and tries to hide from him. And she takes the takes on the form of a horse and just hides among a a group of horses to try to get, get off the trail of Poseidon to shake him. Uh, But even as a mare, Demeter still cannot conceal the fact that she is divine and Poseidon is still drawn to her. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So his solution to this is he transforms himself into a stallion, and then so it becomes, I guess, horse Poseidon um, runs after her, finds her, captures her, has his way with her and, and commits an act of very traumatic horse on horse crime. Now, right. Demeter is incensed by this, understandably so, uh, so much so that she retreats to purify herself for a time for many months. And during that time, it causes the death of crops. Of course, she's the goddess of the harvest. So livestock right. ends up dying, the people who take care of them and, and need that for food also died. So it has this foreshadowing story of what's going to happen later with her adventures of Hades, Persephone causing winter, but it becomes this early instance of where she's so distraught. Understandably. So right. at the circumstances yeah. removing herself causes all this grief to the ecosystem. Now, one thing I did not know the assault in question between the horses by many accounts did actually produce offspring. So Arian was, was there the child born of that union, uh, a horse, as you can right. imagine, because they were both horses at the time, but also capable of human speech. So, sort of a Greco-Roman precursor to to Mister Ed, right? Uh, BoJack Horseman, a little bit in there, if you like. Um, and trying to get into Poseidon's head on this one is hard to do. Hard yeah. to emphasize. I can't imagine what his defense would be in this situation. Like, hey, sure, you are my sister, but I mean, you are such a nice-looking horse. I mean, that's no not going to
1: help. No, I am
0: no now. I am. I am a horse too, so it's okay. That that doesn't really fly either. So yeah. his romantic methods are not are not scoring him points here. Uh, another questionable move we touched on in episode six with Athena. She catches Poseidon having his way with Medusa in her temple, in Athena's right. temple. Let's say the level of consent is, is disputed in the accounts. Um, Athena then punishes Medusa nonetheless, even though she's clearly a victim, right. uh, turns the beautiful hair of Medusa into these horrible snakes, And you may touch on part of this story because you're covering Mercury and he's involved a little bit. So we may come up a little in the second half. But one thing I didn't know, when Medusa is ultimately beheaded, there is a detail I missed. So that union of Medusa and Poseidon had rendered Medusa pregnant at the time she was killed. So when she's ultimately beheaded and she's killed by Perseus because of that pregnancy, she out of her body flies the product of that sinister union, which includes Pegasus, a winged horse and Chrysior, a giant, who's wielding a golden sword. So not only is Poseidon causing all kinds of trouble with various women, he's leaving this trail of talking horses and flying horses and giants just an utter, utter mess everywhere he goes. Um, at one point, and this this will be one of the last illicit affairs I, I mentioned, uh, he has an affair with his granddaughter, whose name is Elope. Now, his son and her father, Circian, who's a king, is very upset, understandably, when he learns yeah. about this union. So he is so upset and ashamed, he buries Alope his daughter, alive. Now, at this point, Poseidon, you'd think, oh, does he reach for the trident? Does he cause a flood to open up the burial tomb and have her set? No, he doesn't no. do any of those things. But because it's his granddaughter, he's got a soft spot for her. So he turns her into an underground spring. Doesn't save her life, but just transforms her into some water. Right. Uh, also named Alope. It's allegedly runs to this day. So small consolation prize. uh, Not a great look again for, for (laughs) He's not
1: good now. And, you know,
0: we don't have time to run through every one of these questionable escapades. I will, I will call out one more because it's kind of fascinating. So he has a dalliance with a young woman named Canius. Do you know this story?
1: I didn't know. I had never
0: heard this. So several variations again, and there's, there's three that I'll point to. So the nicest one Canius and Poseidon get together. They to have a nice time. Afterward, she's asked to be granted a wish. Poseidon says okay, and her wish is to be turned into an invincible man. So not just turned into a man, but an invincible man. Yeah. So Poseidon, as you know, as is the style, yeah. grants the wish, uh, and C- Canius, now a he ends up becoming this great warrior who is immune from the weapons of other fighting men. So gets what she wants. Becomes a he and ends up succeeding gloriously on the battlefield. That's the nice version. Darker version is that after a more of an assault type situation, the two of them get together. Canius does not enjoy it. And she asks Poseidon to turn her into a man afterwards. So she will never bear children by him or anyone else. Now rather extreme birth control measure there, but it does work. Um, The third and kind of lighthearted version, which I think is a nice one to land on. Poseidon is wooing. Canius, she asks for a favor in return if she's going to to get together with him. He agrees before hearing it, and then Canius makes a request to become a man. Poseidon does so, and then just kind of realizes he's just now he's just hanging out with a guy. So instead of his romantic interlude, they probably just have a couple beers, you know, maybe go to the horse races and just call it a night. So. He, he does the admirable he is thing foiled. Yes. He is foiled and, and but he in that in that moment is a man of his word, gives Canius what she wants. He walks away and these two bros have had a great night together. Just not the kind of evening Poseidon was counting on when he started. And in any case, Canius may by this story be kind of the first trans man in history. So in this Pride Month, worthy of celebration of where it mm-hmm. all began, uh, despite the checkered circumstances, depending on the story that you believe. Right uh finally worth mentioning poseidon of course has a small but very important role in the odyssey now the hero odysseus early on in the story blinds one of poseidon's sons who's a cyclops named polyphemus of course this angers the god of the sea it's his son even though he's a grotesque cyclops he's still his boy yeah um so he casts vengeance on odysseus he sends storms he sends the you know he causes the complete loss of, of his ship his traveling companions and ultimately delays Odysseus, a delay of 10 years in getting back to Penelope back in, in Ithaca. An incredible amount of inconvenience. He just sort of does this, moves on to his next bit of chaos. And of course, it takes Odysseus those 10 years to get back home. Uh, so not just chaos, but incredible inconvenience. Right. On the plus side, if not for that punishment, the Odyssey would really not have been much of an Odyssey. So <laughs> no. that, that book becomes more of a quick business trip, maybe you know a long commute. Not much to it. So in any case, huge inconvenience, but at least he gave us that story. So looking at the span of Poseidon, you know, very much a mixed bag, I would say. You know, certainly a sore loser when it came to the competitions, even though I have underestimated some of his gift-giving skills. But still, he ends in a bad way every time. Uh, To say the least, highly dubious in his treatment of men, women, horses, sometimes both. Uh, master of inconvenience, we just talked about All the all about casting out floods, earthquakes Impregnating victims with talking animals And everything, all the kind of chaos he can bring up uh, On the plus side, as we said perhaps, perhaps an early champion of trans rights But that could be stretching a little bit right. um, And of course he is, as we said, the founder of the horse race um, But for the most part, he spent a great deal of his time Despite great power and great privilege Just getting into skirmishes, causing trouble Rattling his right. trident and riding around on that chariot drawn by his giant seahorses. So we'll see. I guess right. I've I've opened up some new pathways to the story of Poseidon. I'm still not terribly convinced uh he's much more than uh just kind of an agent of chaos. Um we'll see. We'll see right. if he has yeah, the we'll goods see. to compete in the in the final segment of this episode nine. So there's Poseidon.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have to be good. He just has to be better than the other guy. So we'll see. This how is true.
0: This is true, at least for for this episode, at least for right. this golden apple. Very good. Well, I hope you learned a few things, Andrew, about Poseidon. Oh, yeah. yeah, good. Uh, Definitely. For for a man of that kind of stature, uh, just a lot of really strange, small uh, and curious stories. But yeah, such it is with the, uh, with the mythology that we take so dear to our hearts. Outstanding. Well, that's, that's segment great. one uh in just a moment we'll be back with segment two move on to mercury right after this
1: excellent all right and we are back uh thank you matt Mm we start us off and this week as we said i have mercury who is probably best known in myth as the messenger of the gods or though more specifically he's actually the herald of Jupiter king of the gods yeah. uh, Jupiter is also Mercury's father so Mercury sort of works in the family business mm-hmm. and in addition Mercury is is one of these sort of Swiss army knives of God's he's, he's got many things he's a god of merchants and thieves flocks boundaries home protection He's a guide to the underworld. He's a god of good luck, persuasive speech, sleep and Ooh. dreams. So, okay. It covers all your bases. Nice. So, and it's all somewhat loosely tied together by this idea of a god of boundaries and crossing boundaries, mm-hmm. which I'll get into more. So, so Mercury is of course the Roman version of Hermes. Right. And there's really no difference between the two versions. In myth, though, maybe a little bit of a difference in their worship, which I'll talk about when we get to our rounds. Uh, but not only did the digital wheel of fate give me Mercury, and I'm a stickler for sticking to the wheels of fate. Yes. Um, I also have a slight distaste for the name Hermes. Mm. Just, you know, doesn't roll off the tongue, you know. Has a little bit of an STD vibe, so. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, if you use the the
0: French pronunciation "hermes," then you're talking designer handbags and yes, scarves. So. Uh, but we're we're going we're going Greco-Roman here. We're going in Greco-Roman, case, Roman. and,
1: yeah. and uh, in this case, Roman. So I'm sticking with Mercury, and uh, I'll give the gods their titles as we go along, so people can keep keep up. So, right. in terms of etymology, the name Mercury uh, may be derived from the Latin word. Uh, for merchant or merchandise, right.
0: mm-hmm.
1: or an older Proto-Indo-European word *merg*, uh, which means boundary.
0: So, Another one that really rolls off the tongue. Yeah,
1: *merg*. <laughs> yeah, so they, they were they were wise to change that if that's where yes, it came from. smart. So uh, and the aforementioned Hermes uh, name comes from the name for stone boundary markers, and in, they're not actually sure, um, or likely does, and they're not actually sure which came first, the mm. God or the stone boundary markers. But
0: uh, record keeping was, was pretty lax back then. Very, so. very, very, A lot lax of question marks. Yeah. So, uh,
1: so in terms of origin, as I said, uh, Jupiter was his father and his mother was a nymph Maya, who was the daughter of the Titan Atlas, mm. uh, who was condemned famously to hold up the heavens. Right. Um, so he's the son of Jupiter and a goddess who is not Jupiter's wife. And Jupiter,
0: uh, of course, is the same as Zeus on the other Ju- side. Jupiter of the
1: house. is the king of the gods. Uh, That's right. And uh, not the same as his wife, Juno, AKA Hera. So, yes. Usually, this is where we start to get the stories of Juno with some sharks with laser beam style <laughs> revenge plots. Yes. Right. But actually, not here. Oh, no. uh, wow. So, Maya is a shy goddess who lives. In a cave at the top of the highest mountain in Greece, and uh, Jupiter visits her at night, and Juno is initially unaware of their liaison. Mm-hmm. Um, but even after Mercury is born, she just doesn't seem to care. So perhaps Maya is just isn't seen as a threat, or she takes a shine to the young Mercury, who is, among other things, considered the God of Charm. Mm. So... Which I don't think Poseidon was. Uh, certainly not. And if he was, he was very, very poor at it. No, No, It was
0: quite to the contrary.
1: Yeah, quite to the contrary. So, um, but absent that wrath of Juno to deal with, young Mercury is able just to kind of be himself and be the best Mercury he can be straight out of the box. So Mm. uh, Mercury was born at dawn Mm. and by noon he has escaped his crib and is on his way to steal Apollo's cattle. My goodness. So,
0: Both uh that's some ambition there.
1: And yeah, but right outside but he gets stopped right outside the entrance of the cave when he sees a tortoise. Hmm. And which Mercury considers to be a great stroke of luck. So this is from the Homeric hymn to Hermes, which is from like the seven hundreds BC. And the first part, uh the here, we're gonna quote from is uh, actually, the baby Mercury speaking. We have a quote oh. from him. so, And I'll uh, kind of give the little bit flavor of the voice. So. <laughs> Thank you. An omen of great luck for me so soon. I do not slight it. Hail, comrade. Lovely in shape. It is better to be at home. Harm may come to you out of doors. So let me yeah. uh, s- switch to the narrator. It says, thus speaking, he took the tortoise in both hands and went back into the house carrying his charming toy. Then he cut off its limbs and scooped out the marrow of the mountain tortoise with an iron spoon. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I,
0: I guess you got to give him some slack since he's at this point like four or five hours old. But yeah. still, that's a real
1: <laughs> well, he, bipolar he's got, kind of response there. <laughs> but he's got, got a plan in mind. So the <laughs> okay. uh, baby Mercury dismembered the tortoise okay. and detaches the shell and he turns the shell into the musical instrument, the lyre. Oh. Thus inventing it, according Interesting. to the story. Okay. So then, you know, he's got the lyre. He sings a couple of songs, including one about his own conception. Sure. Which, okay, sure. Yeah. You go with what you know? Was <laughs> like, <laughs> go, it's it's a not a lot thing. at this point. So, <laughs> uh, But then he is back off on his mission to steal Apollo's cattle. So he travels from his home in southern Greece to the north of Greece, uh, again, to find Apollo's cattle. And he takes 50 of them and then mercury puts on special sandals that he has made that make his footprints appear to be backwards Interesting. and he drives the cattle backwards as well to fool anyone trying to track them now that is some cunning yeah so that is some cunning so and then he drives them back close to his his cave that he that he lives in with his mother and the one-day-old mercury then butchered and skinned and sacrificed <laughs> Uh, two of the cows to the other gods, and then he crawls back into his cradle. Wow. So All the but, days work, yeah. Yeah, and and meanwhile, Apollo has discovered that his cattle are missing, and he's he's on the case. And he does find an eyewitness in an old man uh, who, who saw it, and he says that he saw an infant with a staff who kept walking <laughs> from side to side. He was driving the cattle backwards, their heads towards him. So Apollo finds out, okay, i got to follow these tracks yep. backwards. Yes. And then suddenly he sees, Apollo does, up in the sky a long-winged bird, and therefore he knows for sure that it's Mercury who stole his cattle. I, yeah. <laughs> the look on your face is what I have, but <laughs> he oh. knows. Okay. You and hey. I are not the gods of prophecy. This is this, this is true. <laughs> Apollo
0: so. was, was was no dummy, so I, I don't doubt it.
1: Yeah, we, we don't read those signs the way he no. does, but he saw no. the long-winged bird said, oh, okay. Yep. Uh, so, he goes to confront the baby Mercury, who's in his crib, mm-hmm. and he tells the kid that if he doesn't hand over the cattle, uh, he'll throw him in Tartarus. But Mercury is nonplussed. He gives mm. a little speech in response. <laughs> and he says, stealing cattle is no task for me. Rather, I care for other things. I care for sleep and milk of my mother's breast and wrappings around my shoulder and warm baths. That... Let no one hear of the cause of this dispute, for it would be a great marvel indeed among the deathless gods. I was born yesterday, and my feet are soft and the ground beneath is rough. Nevertheless, if you will have it so, I will swear a great oath by my father's head, and vow neither am I guilty, nor have I seen any other who stole your cows. Whatever cows may be, for I only know them by hearsay. Oh, boy. So... This
0: is some serious tap dancing, little man.
1: <laughs> so he's just, <laughs> deny, deny, deny. Just lying like crazy. I've heard of these so-called cattle. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what those are. No, so, never heard of
0: it. Were uh, you born yesterday? In fact, I was.
1: Yes, so, but Apollo doesn't buy it. You know, mm-hmm. he saw that long-winged bird. Uh, yeah, after all, Case it's closed. closed. <laughs> That's right. Case is closed. Uh, so he picks up uh, the baby Mercury to take him to Jupiter. Uh, but as he does, and we'll go back into the poem. Uh, While Apollo held him in his hands, Mercury sent forth an omen, a hard-worked belly surf, a rude messenger, and sneezed directly after. When Apollo heard it, he dropped glorious Mercury on the ground. Okay. So he farts and he sneezes <laughs> okay, <that's... laughs> at the same time. I mean, that's, that's not, inventing... Not, not the... yeah. Go I was I to say go, inventing the snart. <laughs> so uh,
0: first the liar, the next day the snart. This guy's in a roll.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he he's 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 got it going on. So, but nevertheless, <laughs> uh, Apollo takes baby Mercury before Jupiter and makes his accusations. Hmm. Uh, Jupiter is amused and impressed by the brazenness of Mercury, but he's also not buying it. Right, and he orders him to give the cows back. And Mercury cannot uh, refuse his father, so uh, he takes Apollo to the cattle. Of course, he's short too already, yes. right? Uh, because he sacrificed them, uh, and Apollo's a little upset by that. But while they're there, Mercury takes out his lyre and mm. begins to play a little, and Apollo is immediately in love with the instrument. Yes. And so the two work out a trade of the cattle for the lyre, and Mercury becomes the god of herds, and Apollo takes the title of the god of sheep. or, or The god of uh, music. <laughs> music, yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, the god <laughs> of music. Yes. Uh, and the two become best of friends, and Jupiter both confirms the trade and makes Mercury his herald and messenger mm-hmm. thereafter. I think that tap dancing saw. Saw some potential there.
0: I see something in this young man. Yeah. yeah. I think Mercury got away with that pretty well. And especially since, if I remember correctly, he swore an oath on his father's head that he was telling the truth. <laughs> he, he,
1: he, he, he said, was, he, said, he, said he, was, he was not. I think he he said I, I will swell, swear an uh, oath on him. So man.
0: plausible deniability. Yeah, he was parsing so. the words very closely. Yeah. I wonder if that came up in testimony. I'm sure Jupiter would not have taken kindly to that, but he
1: got off by his youth, I think, for that yes. one. So. So that's his first two days. It's um, <laughs> a rousing beginning. So, so la- later in his childhood, he he steals uh, Poseidon's trident, and he also steals uh, the bow of Artemis. Wow! And uh, the invisibility cap of Hades. Uh, that, that, those are some childhood-
0: serious trophies there.
1: Yes, and all of which, of course, are returned. But it's really yes. the the um, the game of taking them that, yeah. that the sport, into. like a little
0: catch and release.
1: Yeah. So, And then later he does acquire the attributes that he keeps, which make him recognizable to many of us. He has the winged boots uh, that carry him over land, water, and air and allow him to fly. He has his herald's wand uh, with the two intertwined snakes Mm -hmm. uh, that have the power to put people to sleep or to wake them up and also to call forth the souls of the dead. Wow. Um, And he has his broad-rimmed traveler's hat uh, which kept water off of his face. Great, <laughs> and, he ha- and he very often has uh, the cloak of the unseen hmm. uh, because of his travels down with Hades and and, and him not having uh, a whole lot of use for it. So right, uh, so Mercury, as I said, uh, landed the job of herald of Jupiter, and so there are many instances where Mercury shows up, makes an announcement on Jupiter's behalf, or gives a decree and just sort of moves along and doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't do a lot. Uh, sometimes there's a judgment. Sometimes it's a wedding announcement. Uh, but there were times where he did delivered more than a verbal message, uh, and such was the case uh, with the nymph Io. So she was a nymph who was turned into a cow mm-hmm. uh, by Jupiter when he sort of panicked uh, to hide her from his wife Juno uh, when she caught them together. But... <laughs> Juno isn't fooled, uh, so she's thinking fast, and she demands the heifer as a gift from Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And Jupiter can't really think fast enough to come up with a plausible reason not to give (laughs) his wife this cow, Uh, so he hands it over. And Juno then assigns the hundred-eyed all-seeing giant Argus to guard the cow. So... Eventually, Jupiter takes pity on Io as says, I, I, I got to get her out of this. <laughs> um, and, but you need a cow stolen, so who do you send? You send Mercury, obviously. Mercury, yeah. So, sends Mercury down to kill the 100-eyed giant and free Io. And,
0: and with a 100 eyes, he's really keeping watch over this. Though. Yes, th- that's... The serious security system. That's why,
1: yeah, that's why uh, Juno, uh, Juno hired him. So, Mercury does so uh, in his own fashion. He goes down disguised as a shepherd uh to gain the giant's trust and just kind of talks to him a little bit uh takes out his pipe and lulls him close to sleep and then finishes him off with his herald's wand and so argus is asleep and as soon as the giant is asleep mercury takes out his golden sword and cuts off his head (sighs) and throws it down a cliff for good measure (laughs)
0: I mean, there go the hundred eyes. I guess. Yes,
1: not not doing you a lot of good down there. Uh, and then he rescues Io. So, mission accomplished.
0: And again, um, the god of charm showing the charm. Yeah, he just yeah, working it, the guy it, in, seeing eye to eye to eye to eye, to eye, to eye and, and yeah, <laughs> they get to it.
1: Yeah, he, he's not just going to go in there, sword flashing. He's he's going right. to, a little more subtle. Subtle. Uh, so sometimes he also had to transport divine or semi divine babies from place to place. He did this for Aristeus in -hmm. our last episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did it a number of times for Bacchus slash Dionysus, the god of wine. Uh, He delivered Bacchus first to some river nymphs, uh, but he was tracked there by Juno, who was Mm. uh, seeking revenge on him. And so Juno drove the nymphs mad with an eye to have them tear the baby Bacchus apart. Mm. uh, Because that had worked well the first time he was born. Right. So, his first Mad- birth. Yes. Yeah. So the Madden nymphs uh, had already stabbed their servants to death when Mercury flies back in at the last second uh, and rescues the baby and takes him off to find new foster parents. So uh, surprising
0: how often people needed the dispatching of babies back then. It seemed yes. like a pretty large part of his portfolio.
1: It, it, it was a theme for sure. Uh, so And then uh, in the Trojan War, he, he supported the Greeks. Uh, but he does conduct uh, the King of Troy safely into the Greek camp uh, using that sleep wand mm. uh, to help him collect his son Hector's body, uh, who Achilles has refused to release, and the gods take affront to this. Uh, so Mercury helps him out. So as I so as I said, Mercury is you know this liminal deity, which means a deity concerned with boundaries and going place to place, concerned with crossing boundaries, protecting Mm -hmm. them. You know, and kind of one way to think about Mercury's various domains is kind of the result of a thousand years of word association on boundaries. Well, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a boundary. That must be
0: her. (laughs) That must be Mercury.
1: Um, The boundary in your heart. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously we've seen Mercury with thievery crossing boundaries, but he did protect them. So uh, he protected homes. Most homes or many homes in Greece had a little Hermes statue outside to protect the home, uh, kind of like, a ancient ADT security sticker. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> deterrent.
1: Yes. Deterrent. It just as effective. Um, and he was the God of the market. And, you know, despite his own habit of, you know, perhaps bending the truth, mm. um, he did feel that a deal was a deal. So once again, uh, he was taking some cattle off of Apollo's hands hmm. and uh, he was spotted by a neighboring farmer. So Mercury goes out to cut a deal with him. He says, "If the farmer promises to keep quiet. He will give him one of the cows that he's taking. And the farmer agrees saying that stone will tell sooner than I. Okay. And Mercury goes off, disguises himself and returns. And this time he's pretending to look for the cows and he, he asks the farmer for information and offers him two cows uh, if he find, finds the cows and, and recovers them. And the farmer again readily agrees, only for Mercury to then reveal himself and turn the farmer's heart into a stone. Oh. Thus killing him.
0: Nice. So, I'm partner. a little surprised that even after all that hubbub early in his life, that he was going back for Apollo's cattle a second time.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I believe the story I saw in this was this was when Apollo had lost his uh, god rights. Uh, uh, he was in He punishment. was in his
0: servitude, and yeah, okay. So,
1: taking so, a few I, off his hands. I just <laughs> saw, so, saw
0: a soft target and jumped at it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so, then, another instance, he was uh, flying by a festival to the goddess of wisdom, Minerva, a, a.k.a. Athena. So, mm-hmm. Mercury spotted a beautiful female devotee named Hersey and Mercury falls in love. So he decides to woo her. uh, But when he is visiting her at night, he's spotted by her older sister who has the room next to Hersey. And the older sister demands payment not to interfere and to keep quiet about the affair. So Mercury being a deal maker, (laughs) agrees on a price. Sure. Yeah. You know, money's not really an object for him. He's a god. Right. But soon, the sister is afflicted by envy at Hersey's happiness with Mercury. And burning with envy, she longs to tell their father or stop the affair. So she confronts Mercury one of the next times he visits, attempting to bar the door from the god. Mm. Now, of course, this is this is a huge mistake. It's not oh, going to go well for you. Not going to go well. Uh, but Mercury attempts first to reason with her, but she refuses to budge. Mm. And Mercury declares, we will hold to that contract. And the sister finds herself, again, turning to stone, starting with her hands and feet and moving up her body until she is transformed into a statue. Mm. So, a deal's a deal. Yeah, that's no right. takebacks.
0: Nope. Chicago uh, style.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Mercury, of course, had other lovers, um, including... According to some accounts, his wife was the goddess Pleth, not a well-known goddess, but she's the goddess of persuasion. Um, he also carried on affairs with the Oriids, who are mountain nymphs uh, near where he was born. And it is with one of those uh, mountain nymphs that he had the son Pan, who is the god of wilderness. Right. And his next most famous offspring came from his affair with venus Hmm. the goddess of love and this being hermaphroditus who is child born uh either both male or female uh or by other accounts born male and merged with a nymph who loved him to become to become both male and female so yeah uh, either born that way or transformed uh through merging with a nymph Interesting. And uh, one other more job that uh, Mercury had was he was the god of travelers. Uh, hmm. Again, people cross a lot of boundaries. Sure. And uh, part of this was his enforcement of hospitality to strangers, which was a big deal uh, back in the Greco-Roman world. And at certain points, apparently, he this was also a concern of Jupiter. So Jupiter and Mercury would go out on a little inspection tours hmm. to make sure hospitality is... Uh, being offered so they would go disguised as mortals of course to Mm -hmm. make sure the laws are being followed and in one inspection tour on the coast of asia minor and went very very poorly uh the disguised jupiter and mercury knocked on a thousand doors as travelers in need and were turned away a thousand times my goodness so they're getting a little ticked off but then finally they knock on a door of a modest little cottage uh with an elderly couple who answer and let the gods in, you know, and they give them a modest but dignified meal, generous, mm-hmm. you know, for the couple's mm-hmm. situation. Uh, but then the couple notice that the olive bowl and the cheese plate they, they give them are never going empty and neither <laughs> is the wine bottle. So mm-hmm. it's a miracle that the couple have been granted a uh, bottomless wine bottle and endless apps. <laughs> inventing, <laughs> inventing perhaps the first olive garden, I don't know. <laughs> Very nice. But the pious couple at the first Olive Garden, of course, give thanks to the gods for the bottomless apps and and endless wine. And Jupiter and Mercury then reveal themselves to the couple and give them a warning that they should get out of town because the two gods are about to flood the whole village and all their inhospitable neighbors with it. So the gods do so, uh, sparing only the couple's home uh, and making it into a temple where the couple serve as priest and priestess uh, to the gods and they grant them their wish that when their time comes years later uh, they will die together and they do so transforming them into trees at that moment so they can live side by side that's That's lovely. lovely
0: That's, yeah. I, I, I thought you were gonna say you gotta leave town because we're gonna leave such a glowing Airbnb review <laughs> that you're gonna be booked for years. But no, no, no they they Much did not forget dastardly. about
1: those thousand. That that didn't. <laughs> uh, so so now this this one didn't come up in in years, but there was another hospitality tour where they brought along Uncle Poseidon or Mercury okay. or uh, Neptune. So Neptune, Yeah. Uh, Mercury and J- Jupiter and uh, Neptune or Poseidon. Are given hospitality by a king Hyraeus, and Hyraeus tells them that after his beloved wife died, he had vowed never to marry, and he was going to keep to his vow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did want a son because they had never had any children; she died early. So instead of talking about you know adoption services or <laughs> grabbing one of the many exposed babies off the rubbish that seemed right. to be lying around back everywhere. then, everywhere, yeah. Uh, they what they do they lay out a cow's hide, they throw a little dirt on it, and then the three gods piss on it. Okay. And this gives creation to Urion or Orion. Oh. That's how he came to be, who okay. uh, later becomes the very famous hunter. Yes. And a constellation with a prominent belt in the sky. Of course, more so, astronomy. Uh, so I took it from the delivery of this in Ovid that Urion would have been a a pun uh, in Latin. So uh, that's, that's very good. There you go.
0: We've certainly heard you know more unusual origin stories, but that's uh,
1: that's, that's up creative. There. Yeah, yeah, that's up there. Um. So now the ultimate traveler was Odysseus, uh, who you mentioned uh, yes. had many frequent sailor miles on right. his account. <laughs> um. So Mercury was on the other side of this because he was a uh, friend of Odysseus' as the the ultimate traveler. Um, and at one point in his travels, Odysseus' men, as they always do, get themselves into trouble. Always. Uh, they get themselves turned into pigs uh, by threatening the witch goddess Circe. Um, so Odysseus, as always, is back on the ship, not paying attention. As soon as right. the back is turned, they get themselves in trouble. So hearing this, he's off to save them, but... As he's marching up to the goddess's home, Mercury intervenes and gives Odysseus the antidote to Circe's pig transformation spell. Mm. And he also tells Odysseus that if Circe asks him to sleep with her, he must accept because she is a goddess Mm. after all. But before he does so, he must make her pinky promise on the river sticks to no more shenanigans
0: I, you may be updating the uh, the vernacular but I, yes
1: I, that I, that's a rough translation right. <laughs> i'm trying to, trying to trying to bring it bring it into the modern world so um of course he does uh odysseus follows mercury's advice and it all works out just as he said um and mercury is also psychopomp uh, yes or soul guide much yes. like hecate great word uh Yes, guiding the souls of the dead to Hades, uh, crossing that ultimate boundary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's often named as the god who accompanies Persephone back and forth. I think maybe there's a job share uh, with Hecate. <laughs> um, and he accompanied Hercules, or back and forth to Hades. And at one point, he retrieved Sisyphus, who's famously condemned uh, to roll a boulder up a hill forever, Um After he had absconded from Hades, Mm -hmm. uh, Mercury is the one to to bring him back. So, lastly, one more chapter in in Mercury's uh, career, that Mercury was also an author. So, which is uh, a little interesting, had a very interesting intellectual tradition, which is maybe unexpected when you uh, start off your life by inventing the snart on the second day, (laughs) but... Through the Greek side of his tradition, there was a philosophical, religious, and scientific list of books called the Corpus Hermeticum, which was attributed to have been written by the god himself and had a significant and enduring following, which we will, of course, cover later in our rounds. Wow. So so wrapping up, he is, as I said, sort of a Swiss army knife of gods, many callings, many contrasts, thief, traveler, spokesperson, God of Commerce, Psychopomp, and uh, the candidate for this episode.
0: That is a, that's that's an impressive resume and, uh, and quite a tale. I mean, you set the bar that high in their first couple of days of life. Yeah. Most people would peak after that first couple of days, but uh, I think just took on. off. Yeah. yeah, Very impressive. Outstanding. Well, I think we got a battle on our hands with this yeah. one. We got a couple of very different characters, but some interesting skills, some interesting differences of temperament. And we'll all come down to our categories following the other side of this break. So stay tuned. Right back with that.
1: And we are back for our five rounds, our five rounds that will determine who gets the golden apple for this round, and the first of those rounds is Immortal Combat. So uh, I'll go first with this. And um, Mercury, he's an interesting one on this. He's, he's got some pluses and minuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was considered uh, a god of speed or the god of speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can fly. Uh, he's got his wand, um, frequent access to the invisibility cap, which right. is pretty good very good A golden sword and obviously you know he's very crafty i think that's definitely a big part of the arsenal a couple brief stories i didn't mention uh mercury freed mars uh from the elodi giants who you may remember from the artemis episode these were the giants who were killed uh when artemis ran between them as a deer Right, and, she, and they and they threw spears at each other. So right, at right. that same time, they they had captured Mars and, and and held him prisoner for for over a year, and they finally sent Mercury in to steal him away. So he had those skills. Nice. Um, you know, he killed a giant in the war with giants uh, using his sword, but they kind of all. As that's
0: almost par for the course at this point yeah. for these guys. That's uh, yeah, entry level. Yeah, that's, level. Just,
1: yeah, that's just setting the bar. That's the ante. So, um. You know, and of course, he did kill the other giant with many eyes, um, again, using his guile. Right. And uh, in the Iliad, when the supporters of Troy and Greece line up to fight, Mercury was lined up opposite of Leto. Hmm. So, uh, But, you know, and this gets to sort of willingness to fight. He says, Leto, I will not fight you, since it is a hard thing to come to blows with the brides of Zeus May I? Fr- you may freely speak among the immortal gods and claim that you were stronger than I and beat me. Wow so he just bows out. So class act, yeah. He's, he's a class act, but I do think that that doesn't help him in this round. No. For all those, for all those but it skills probably that... helped
0: him with Zeus and yeah. in the long run at the time.
1: But yeah, so so that that's him. Uh, what are we looking at on the other so, side of here?
0: You know... Uh, Poseidon was was known was very powerful was was called by many the second most powerful god after Zeus uh okay. because of just the, the sheer brute force strength of these earthquakes and these floods you know like we like we said he was on the win, winning side of Titanom- titanomachy so he did have a hand in defeating the titans but of course as as have many uh mm-hmm. over those 10 years so he must have had some worth in battle but we don't really hear much about the kind of hand to hand combat with Poseidon he really He uses earthquakes and floods. He's something of a one-trick pony in that regard, or I guess a two-trick pony if his other (laughs) trick is actually creating ponies. Uh, But, you know, you don't hear much about him using that sort of fish-encrusted boulder. Uh, He's got an entourage of, you know, talking dolphins and fish horses. I'm not sure they're going to be terribly (laughs) useful uh, in battle beyond, you know, riding him around in style. Um, That said, from a temperament perspective, you know, he did have a temper. He has a sort of sense of, of wrath and frustration. And so when it comes to pure battle, he's certainly shown a willingness to use the tools of, of war at his disposal, even though he's okay. not terribly creative in how he applies them, uh, but he's certainly willing to use those weapons. So I, mm-hmm. it's hard. I do feel like it, it gets to a philosophical question of whether brute force, might, or cunning ultimately wins yeah. the day in a head-to-head competition. I feel like Mercury... Could find a way with Poseidon. I feel like because the tools of war at Poseidon's, you know, behest are things like floods and earthquakes. Hey, Mercury can fly. He can fly above it. Yeah, get away from it. So he, beyond that, I think I kind of that's his trump card. So, you know, if if Poseidon had a deeper arsenal of of weaponry that he was known for using, we might have a closer competition. But I feel like just purely out of evasion, uh, Mercury could win the day.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I I sort of came in thinking, uh, you know, the Poseidon has this in the bag because he does have that reputation, but uh, you know, it never gets tested. No. And and I do agree that, in you know, longer term, uh, the cunning of of Mercury, it it may may win out. So, I I think you kind of talked me around to. I think I'm going to join you on that. I yeah. think I think we're going uh, straight on Mercury. Very nice. Excellent. All right, so our next round is Curriculum Deity, and this is Who Would You Rather Be? Who Would You Rather Worship? Um, Who has that it factor? Yes. So
0: in terms of who I'd rather be, now, as you know, Andrew, we've talked about this a lot. As much as anybody, I love the idea of being a highborn, powerful being with no responsibility. Despite all those advantages, Poseidon generally seems pretty miserable. I mean... You know, his love life, if you can call it that beyond his beyond his wife, which actually yeah. is a good part of his life, all of his extracurricular activities end up in, in disaster. Uh, he's got a nice pad, but it's also underwater, which you know has its challenges. <laughs> I think it's right. great for him. I don't know how comfortable I would be there. Uh, he has access, presumably, to a great array of seafood. But if you're living down at the bottom of the sea all the time, even the best seafood you might get tired of after a while. Uh, also suffered from sibling rivalry, for sure. I mean, certainly Zeus being kind of the key component there. But even Hera, Dem- Demeter, they're out there. They're, they're doing things. They're getting things done. And I feel like Poseidon is just throwing tantrums. So there's a lot of internal strife there that I don't think would be enviable. Yeah. Uh, just out there causing <laughs> causing floods and 10-year traffic jams. So right. uh, being him does not sound terribly appealing. In terms of following, you know, there were a lot of temples in his honor. A lot of, you know, they all had their, their, their games, their festivals. I'm sure plenty of animal sacrifices, probably even sacrificing horses, but ideally, hopefully they're balancing the sort of barbecue with the seafood. They're doing a little surf and turf or horse and turf or whatever you would call that. Yeah. Uh, those sounded like good affairs, you know, even though he came in second in that competition for Athens he was still the chief god of the city of Corinth. He still was the man in charge of many of the cities in the region, the Magna Grecia, which is now part of Italy. And yeah. you'll remember from episode one, Dionysus had his maenads, his followers, that he would drive into a drunken frenzy. It uh, yeah. turns out for worshippers of Poseidon, there was something similar where, according to a text from 400 BC, his worshippers would fall into a legi- legitimate mental disturbance. To the point where Poseidon in 400 BC was blamed for certain types of epilepsy. Oh, interesting. So not only were his followers somewhat frenzied, they were kind of viewed as legitimately mentally ill. Uh, So as much as I love a good surf and turf and I like a good party, uh, that sounds like maybe a strike against being a worshiper of Poseidon. So so fairly low marks, I think, in, in both parts of this category for Poseidon for me.
1: All right, well, uh, you know, on on the other side, uh, for Mercury, mm-hmm. you know, just in terms of picturing him, mean, he's he's generally shown as a man in his prime, uh, younger side, usually beardless. Mm. Uh, he lives in Olympus, uh, you know, house probably very near his father, uh, cuz he's got to sure. be on call. Uh, and he works, you know, as I said, in the family business, which pluses and minuses. A uh, huge amount of travel, uh, but he's got that ability to fly, so it's not too uh, it's not not too much of a burden, right? Um, he can fly for work or play. Uh, you know his day job maybe is a little bit of a strike against him. Not a huge amount of agency in terms of carrying out the commands and delivering uh, messages for Jupiter. Who, frankly, you know, has some questionable judgment and some sure. questionable actions. <laughs> sure. uh, so, you know, you're involved in that. Um, but he has his outlets. He's got his music. He he. He gave up the lyre, but he still kept the pipes for himself. Mm. Uh, he had his writing. Uh, he was the god of eloquence. You know, something of a, a you know, bon vivant. Yes, um, he had had that friendship with Apollo. Um, you know, they're pictured many times as as good close friends. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of worship, uh, he had a large temple in the vicinity of the Circus Maximus in Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Mercuralia um, which was a Roman festival in, in mid-May, uh, which is mostly celebrated by uh, travelers, sailors, and uh, merchants pour- pouring a little bit of uh, holy water from one of his springs on their heads to forgive themselves for uh, sins of the past year and-, and set themselves up for the next year. Okay. Not bad. No. Uh, and in Greece, they had a Hermea festival, which honored Hermes, uh, featured athletic competitions and kind of a coming of age celebration for for teen boys, um, and had a little bit of a sort of inverted social order aspect to it, where people who could talk back to their social betters during mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. during that festival, uh, their their traditional social betters, so must have been very
0: cathartic for the the yes. lower folks, yeah,
1: yeah, def- definitely for people who were uh, kept down. So, uh, and then in Greece. You know, there's statues basically on every doorway uh, or most doorways, uh, and he was considered to bring good luck to his followers. Very nice. So. I mean, it, it
0: sounds like the profile of a, a Renaissance man if the Renaissance had been invented at that time.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I I don't think this one's too close for me. No, uh, certainly the, the way, way you have laid it out and and the stories that you, when you've told about uh, Poseidon are not not the kind of person and no uh, or or deity. I would aspire to be. He's he's, he's, he's whatever. Whatever the. uh, He's not aspirational in the least. So
0: that's right. So I think I think we're both on Mercury for this one as well. We're
1: both on Mercury. Now,
0: Andrew, I do have a postscript on this one. It doesn't really factor into the judgment, but I I I I made this discovery, uh, and I and I had to find a place to put it because this this is truly fascinating. We don't talk about a lot of modern day stuff on this program. Uh, It turns out, in the case of Poseidon, the idea of worshipping him is not. abstract notion there are people today who worship poseidon actively in greece right now okay so he is part of the modern hellenic religion i just learned this last week was recognized by the greek government as a religion in 2017 So not long ago okay the way that that movement started and i'll keep it quick but it's fascinating there was a to, to sort of legalize and get government approval of this as a religion began in 1976 there's a monk from a greek orthodox sect and Mount Athos, he gets upset because of a statue of Poseidon. Now this statue is located outside the local Ministry of Education. But for some reason, despite that location, Poseidon is there depicted in the nude, which you can imagine, but also tumescent for some reason in that state. He must really be excited by education for some reason. This this monk was very turned off by the statue. So he's offended at this display of paganism. He wants to protect Christianity. He drives all the way across Greece, and this is 1976, takes a sledgehammer to the statue, aims it at the genitals of Poseidon and goes for it. Now he's he's apprehended in the, in the act, the genitals okay. remain attached, but it inspires a young teenager named Vlassus Rassius to take this kind of religion seriously, to say, wait, maybe Christianity is a bad thing. Maybe maybe these ancient gods were onto yeah. something. So since the be, be, between the seventies and, and the current day, he ends up this Vlasis Rassius becomes the secretary general of the Supreme Council of the Hellenic religion, which today has about 2,000 followers. And as a recognized religion, since 2017, they can openly worship the ancient gods. They can build temples, perform marriages, funerals, all this stuff. Now, hearing this, I was very tempted to contact this Vlasius Rassius and, and see if we could get him as a guest on our program. I know yeah. we don't really do guests, but this would seem like a really fascinating Probably perspective. place to start, yeah. Would love to know what he makes of our program. Not sure what what his level of English would be. Uh, sadly, though, he did pass away in 2019. Oh, uh, so that okay. was unfortunate. I got really excited, but do you know how he died?
1: I would have no idea.
0: The monk from the 70s got him in the genitals with a sledgehammer. Playing the long <laughs> game. All right, now that that part. <laughs>
1: that <was> like- <laughs> Um, really everything
0: almost. else, everything else in that story was true except for that last line. So,
1: good, I'm glad true
0: enough to this day. Fascinating reading. That a rabbit hole that I did not expect. But these folks have beautiful temples. They have outfits, all sorts of rituals to this day
1: in Greece. Oh, so when I
0: travel there later this year, maybe I'll have to drop by and uh, attend a service.
1: Yes, excellent. So.
0: so thank you for indulging that postscript. I felt like it was it was necessary due to the almost disastrous effect that the Poseidon statue had in the origin story there we go
1: excellent all right so we are now moving on to good god and uh this is where we judge the character so I don't know. <laughs> yeah i don't know this how, might be how a how short one <laughs> cliffhanger this one is but uh here we go so as always you know all all these these uh Greco roman gods are a little bit of a mixed bag um Mercury was a thief, of course, a bit Mm. of a rogue. Right. uh, But on the other hand, he was a protector of travelers, of the marketplace, of deals. He was even a a god of wisdom. Um, Also a god of the underdog to some extent. Mm. And, you know, kind of in his favor, he's well-liked by other gods in general. You know, I think that refusing to fight Leto, uh, you know, in the Trojan War sort of reflects well on him sure yeah and so the month of may according to ovid was uh actually named for his mother maya where mercury gave up the right to name it for himself and gave it to his mother so you know like definitely you know that's that's a classy move so that's nice i love it uh so yes so that that's uh dare i ask
0: Yes. Well, the bright sides are pretty few. I mixed bag is even probably a little generous for this guy. Um, There are there's some protected protections. As I said, he does protect sailors does Poseidon. He protects people riding horses. He protects the racetrack. I guess everybody who works at the racetrack, if you're taking parking tickets, whatever you're doing, (laughs) he's watching over you uh, taking bets. Um, but even no matter what he does, even the smallest things like befriending a dolphin, he's always got some kind of agenda. So the character is just is pretty yeah. lacking. Uh, and as again, Needless to say, his unbridled lust seems wildly unreciprocated uh, almost all the time. So, so very few yeah. points there. So uh, I think very few redeeming uh, redeeming notions in Poseidon's character. And once again, I think we have a less than tight competition and
1: yet our <laughs> another category. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think I think we both are uh, for Mercury and uh this one yes uh, indeed yeah so uh and we go into iconography and uh this one i'll let you take the lead so yeah so neptune of
0: course the roman version is a planet Yep. now that's not gonna, not gonna mean much to mercury who's also a planet uh but he's got that. Poseidon, you see, you do see him in a lot of art depictions from ancient times up to into the present. There's statues everywhere all over the world of Poseidon. I saw one just last month in the the foot of Prospect Park in beautiful Brooklyn, nice. New York. Uh, it's quite quite lovely. We have the '70s classic movie, The Poseidon Adventure, which was a big hit. I did no. not see it, but it's there. Uh, I did learn Poseidon as a character was featured in an ABC fantasy series recently called Once Upon a Time. Kind of a mythological infused family program would be unremarkable except for the fact that Poseidon is played by Ernie Hudson who certainly the most underrated of the original oh, Ghostbusters right, right, the yeah. one you hear from so he good on ernie for getting that role um you get the usual assemblage of military names for Poseidon as you would expect you know all kinds of weapons yeah. programs and such but one of them is a nuke russian nuclear armed unmanned underwater vehicle called Poseidon okay. now I get having nuclear armed subs. I get having unmanned subs, but having nuclear armed and unmanned just seems risky. Yeah. To me. It makes me nervous for some reason. So it's one of those rare moments where I think to myself, you know, if only some Russian soldiers were around, I'd feel a
1: lot better, you know? <laughs> no, but, yeah. I never uh, feel that way. Uh,
0: uh, but there, there is a, there is a Poseidon okay. unmanned nuclear right. sub somewhere. Uh, yeah, underneath hopefully the somebody's
1: keeping track uh, of that.
0: Well, I <laughs> hope so. Uh, <laughs> hopefully everyone's <laughs> got their eye on the ball yeah. these days. Um, there is a Poseidon pipeline, which is a under it's unconfin- unfinished natural gas pipeline, but it's between Greece and Italy. It goes okay. underground. So in terms of branding, seems really quite uh, quite smart. And then I'd be remiss personally if I were not to mention the second album from the progressive rock band King Crimson, one of my favorites, entitled "In the Wake of Poseidon." Today, that album from 1970 probably receives less streaming and downloading than probably this very <laughs> podcast. It is an obscure album, but still, still a fine one. So that's Poseidon, but the trident, his kind of symbol, does does live on a little bit. So I, I've mentioned Britannia, who's the personification of Great Britain. Yep. She is carrying uh, the trident to Poseidon as a symbol of, of of the British Empire's naval power. But the broken tip of the trident appears on the flag of Barbados in the Caribbean, and it is broken off to symbolize that Barbados broke free. Oh, nice of British colonial rule, which I thought was a nice subtle symbolic touch and i doubt that if texas ever breaks off i doubt that they will use the severed torch (laughs) of lady liberty on their their flag but nice touch uh, for for barbados i am also told that the fictional pirate jack sparrow uh, seeks the trident of poseidon in the film pirates of the caribbean dead men tell no tales 2017 i think that's the fifth installment uh i only saw one yeah. <laughs> and, then, and this is not an exaggeration my my backside fell asleep in the theater it was so long it was like a thousand little tridents just punishing me for my <laughs> film going choice um but yeah johnny depp did pretty well yeah. with those movies um I, whatever i happened never, to that never hear anything about him you know no. you never hear about him anymore yeah but uh so so apparently it does live on yep. in cinema in that fifth installment so pretty decent spread of uh of, of cultural and and and, and legacy yeah. but uh but some of the things you like to talk about there's no names. You no know, nobody names their kid poseidon and for good reason no
1: no neptune no or neptune so um you know i'll start off uh planet obviously we kind of hit a draw right yep. there uh planet mercury right um so one thing that this was recently there was mercury in retrograde which is those things that yes i've heard of it i didn't really uh, never understood what it was but it... i am very well aware of this having lived in san francisco it was a okay. big deal for yeah. those years. people take it very seriously it's yeah. an optical illusion that the planet mercury is moving backwards and, mm. and oh. oh that is that is what what it is named after and, and of course it has many associations people who who follow uh astronomy uh, very closely or astrology yes so uh then wednesday uh in french is Mercredi, and oh. in named after mercury in all the romance language because woden is associated with mercury and that's what it is named after in uh english so um wow. mercury was a car brand that you you may remember yes, ford motor company I from do. 1938 yep. to 2011 uh mm-hmm. those not not with us but there's still some on the road um and the mercury dime in the 1930s had a little picture of mercury on the u.s currency what on, on the back of oh, the u.s currency the Mer- mercury wow yeah. still i i that, that's a that. big yeah wow. you know um yeah no and u.s currency yes. Wow. so uh you, you mentioned uh the herme design house uh when we go into yes. the uh the Greek side of, of things, uh, very famous, and right. you, when you're googling Hermes, uh, Hermes uh, that comes up many times because they they design many, many, <laughs> many things. um do. Now Mercury has, of course, an element uh, named after element, Mercury, yes. uh, also known as HG as quicksilver, only metal yes. that is liquid at room temperature. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, was fast moving, and it is named by alchemists. And so, uh, since we've gone to the alchemists, I'm going to go back into that corpus hermeticum, uh, which was allegedly written by Mercury uh, in a form that this was coming from the Roman or from the Greek tradition. So it was Hermes and a form that combined him with the Egyptian god Thoth, the, the Egyptian god mm. of, of wisdom. And there were these religious philosophical tradition called Hermeticism, uh, which mm. was for a time... Even embraced by the Christian Church, though in that form the writer was demoted to just a prophet. Uh, but they they, <laughs> they believe that that writing predicted the coming of Christianity. Uh, wow. so, so, like many mysticisms, uh, you know has has had its ups and downs and had something of a revival in the nineteenth century. Um, sure, but on the scientific side, really. Out of this writing is where we get alchemists uh, come yes. out of this. And so things like uh, hermetically sealed uh, comes mm-hmm. from Hermes. And that is through alchemists uh, and many of the Bunsen burners and, and uh, sort of scientific tools that they developed in their quest to turn various things into gold. So never, right. never quite achieved that, but did invent things like uh, distilleries uh come from hey. uh come from the alchemist so that's that's part of it i can get behind that well All done right. and then in terms of names uh not a lot uh we do have freddie mercury no <laughs> i'm sure that was
0: not his name no, it,
1: it, it was not and, and uh the the Miami dolphins great Mercury Morris okay yeah uh, yeah you may yeah. have heard of um and from Romeo and Juliet Mercutio is a form of mercury and that both comes mercutio then uh gets into um you know that sort of being uh unpredictable uh mercurial which is still in use today so big. i use it regularly there we go so and (laughs) with regard to myself (laughs)
0: often but yes it's a good
1: one Uh, so that, that that's what i had on on mercury so um you know i think that they both have uh you know, a pretty good uh iconography on the Poseidon side. You know, one thing I think the visual of Poseidon is very recognizable to people. Right. Uh, you know, you talk about the right. statues and things. So, if you, you show a picture of Poseidon, I think most people will will find it. Mercury, maybe a little bit less. um I, I forgot to mention the FTD flowers. Oh, the that's Mercury right. Man. Because they get they deliver very quickly. Yes, yes. yes. They deliver that's so, a good one. very quickly. So, you know, um it's a it's a tough one on this one, probably the toughest of these rounds. Yeah, I think it,
0: it comes down to whether it is the it, the heritage or the sort of legacy of the god himself, or whether it is the sort of outcropping of all influences yep. based on the god. And I I like to think about it in the second category. So I think Given the range of influences, I think once again I'm going to go Mercury. Yeah, Mercury.
1: I, I think I think I'm going to uh, go there. there. There's actually more that when I looked down there and uh, I found it, uh, there were more things than I, than I thought I was going to find, and uh, you know, uh, there's some, some good stuff there. So,
0: yeah, at the risk of offending the the Russian Navy, I think I'm going <laughs> right. to cast my vote well, for yeah, Mercury. Was, so don't
1: so, don't sit beside so me so after there me. There was yes. recently the Ukrainian Navy has a neptune missile also that uh, recently uh was shot at a uh erosion. that's right, the yeah, ocean, right? Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah i think they cancel each other out so in that case so. works both ways <laughs> uh but we're gonna stick with the mercury so uh this is four to nothing so yeah this is not a squeaker as we predicted
0: this one's uh, kind of a route but you know, every every sport has the occasional slugfest and those can be fun to watch in
1: their right. own way uh, but we do want to play this out, even though the, the Golden Apple is not in question. But uh, Matinee, right. Matinee Idol is our final round and always one of my favorites. Yes, um, Indeed. And so I believe I have the first on this one. Um, you do. And I will take it away. So I feel like a limited series is uh, the way to go here. Um, mm. And I think uh, in this case, kind of the interesting storyline to me is that contrast between mercury's day job as spokesman <laughs> uh and agent of, of jupiter and his own moonlighting activities of yeah. stealing stuff and that kind of stuff so uh, right. I would transform it into the modern day uh maybe a where are they now sort of feel um mm-hmm. and he is by day the front man for his uh dad's behemoth but not terribly well run uh corporation maybe something like lightning corp <laughs> <laughs> um like you know occasionally you have uh things in that vein where father and son do their little undercover boss tours around sure, the company sure, yeah uh, <laughs> or mercury can do some sort of cleanup mission of a questionable legality after mm-hmm. uh things have gone awry uh but right. at night uh mercury is the witty debonair international jewel thief <laughs> oh. and i of course i'm tentatively titling this Mercury in retrograde. So, oh man, that's a, that's. So a there you
0: go. Is, are you listening, Netflix? You've got it. You've got your first season yeah, right that, there. So, as uh. a jewel
1: thief, he's got exotic locales. Also, mm-hmm. he's maybe yep. give him a hidden lair under the mountains. Uh, call back that cave, uh, but also he you know he has a philosophy substack that he writes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know, right. and maybe
0: current day author. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, once in a while we
1: have a, a voice over of one of his posts that. Is uh, elliptically referring to that uh, week's episode in a way that nobody could ever figure out if they had not just watched the episode. <laughs> this is Easter egg upon yes. Easter egg. So, uh, yes. and then on the casting side, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Pride of Newburyport, Massachusetts, uh, best known as Steve Harrington from Stranger Things series, Joe Keery. As okay,
0: of- yeah very nice i think you can pull that off he's got the the debonair yeah. aspect to him and topical excellent so, there we go very very topical <laughs> almost ripped yeah. from the headlines well speaking of ripped from the headlines <clears throat> so a bit of a challenge for this this episode of or this installment's matinee idol with poseidon clearly you know not the most compelling character certainly not sympathetic uh, with all the tantrums and the assaults might be great for special effects shots, you know, big floods, big earthquakes. So you, you win some, some points there, but nothing that's terribly character driven. So I guess I'm proposing a bit of a twist on the Poseidon story. So since I mentioned Johnny Depp earlier, I, I had to look up what's this guy been up to. Apparently he's, he's been in some headlines recently. And and, and so picture him in the present day. Now he's at home. <clears throat> he's gone through what he's gone through in, in, in the last several months and as you can imagine, even though he kind of came out somewhat victorious, he's still feeling isolated. He's processing everything that's happened. And he's been through in these recent months. And he's asked, he's kind of looking this, during this, this dark night of this night of the soul saying, what's my future? Will I ever get a great role again? You know, who will I be with in this world? And so he goes to all of his homes to try to just wrestle with these questions. He goes to his horse farm in Kentucky, and he can't find an answer. He goes to his beautiful art deco penthouse in downtown los angeles nothing he goes hollywood hills compound can't get to it even his private island in the bahamas is nothing nothing no answers to his questions so we already feel for this guy because no matter where he goes across his <laughs> luxurious <laughs> real estate por- portfolio he's still isolated so but luckily he's got one more option and he goes to his uh one more property in this in this portfolio he goes to this entire village that he owns in the french riviera this is all true <laughs> Uh, at least at least the real no. estate part. Um, he's, he's in this village that he bought the entirety of, and he ponders his future fate. He does it in the main residence. He does it in the guest house, the village eatery, the church in the village that he owns because he bought the village. Still nothing. But he goes to his last stop, which is the crown jewel of the property, which is his wine cellar. And this is true. The wine cellar in this property has been meticulously decorated as a pirate themed so it is pirates of the caribbean themed in this wine cellar in the french village that he bought yes so he's in a sorry state he's pouring himself another mega pint of wine but he spots something across the cellar he's kind of glistening and he walks he he, he stares at it and and sees that it is none other than the trident of poseidon now we in the audience we know it's probably just a stolen (laughs) prop from Pirates of the caribbean dead men tell no tales 2017 But Johnny's had a few mega pints that night and he thinks it's the real thing. So he stumbles across the wine cellar, picks up the trident and with great gusto, smashes it against the earth. And then an amazing thing happens. A flood begins to overtake this small French village. And we learn that not only is this the actual trident of Poseidon, but whoever wields it becomes the god of the sea himself. So by clutching and wielding the trident, Johnny Depp has become Poseidon. So he holds up in the cellar is safety from, from the flood. He's, you know, like Poseidon suddenly has this kind of underwater uh, lair to, to remain safe in, uh, but not before an adorable dolphin makes its way down the stairs and sneaks in. And they wait out the flood together, the dolphin and Johnny, they get to know each other. And finally Johnny has found the companionship that he's been, been so sorely missing. The dolphin of course can talk, they catch up. And this is the same dolphin that befriended the original poseidon back in the day he was imprinted as the master of poseidon Poseidon as his master to bond to poseidon in whatever form he takes and so he just assumes johnny depp is that figure they bond immediately and for the rest of the film and i do think this is a film not a series uh johnny and depp and the travel and the dolphin they travel the world and johnny seeks retribution with the trident to everyone who's ever harmed him using the trident to create That Poseidon level of chaos and floods, he gets his exes, he gets the press, his accountants, the IRS, anyone who's ever driven in the wrong way, you name it. But with each use of the trident that Johnny applies, the floods grow stronger and stronger. Leading to our dramatic conclusion where Johnny creates a flood that is so strong, it wipes out the entire Mediterranean. And sadly, his dolphin friend is washed away. So Johnny is once again alone. He retreats, hangs his head, goes back to his horse farm in Kentucky and becomes sad again (laughs) but the dolphin continues to swim for days looking for his master searching high and low as far as the sea will carry him till one day the dolphin reaches wouldn't you know it the black sea just off the coast of ukraine and the dolphin makes a discovery you guessed it andrew it is a russian nuclear armed unmanned underwater (laughs) vehicle with one word on the outside and that word is poseidon that's written in the cyrillic alphabet but through movie magic, the magic dolphin knows how to read it. So the dolphin instinctively, its training kicks in. It breaks into the sub. It follows its nature, steers the sub into the open water as far away from land as possible. And as a result, Ukraine is saved, nuclear war is averted, and without knowing it, Johnny Depp has saved the world. <laughs> and as a performer off screen, he has finally found as an actor his next great role okay. himself.
1: They're gonna have Nick Cage.
0: voice. So <laughs> some outrageous stunt, yeah. stunt casting. So, a uh, bit of a shaggy story there, but I really think it's got some theatrical potential. Uh, we we can get you know as Johnny's on board, we can use his his, his houses for all location right. shots, so we can shoot on a pretty modest budget. A little bit of CG for the talking dolphin, but we can work that all. Interesting. That but so, I think-
1: you know, I, I had not followed the recent uh, headlines really, so I'm assuming this is just what happened in that. In, in the recent trials. It just
0: absolutely, absolutely ripped yeah. from the headlines. Yeah. I mean, you hear about extreme weather events. A lot of them are just caused by the trident okay. side and, and Johnny Depp's hands. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So there you have it. Very interesting. So, um, that, that really has, has me sort of speechless, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> which is always, always there are layers upon scene. layers in that. There's so many, it's just a layer cake, if you will, of, uh, <laughs> of Poseidon-y goodness. Um, yeah. So I, you know, in some ways you, you did capture the essence of the myth, the <laughs> essence of, 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 the God, but uh, interesting. I'm going to stick with Mercury on this one. I feel like maybe, maybe I'm feeling more commercial, you
0: No. Know? Yeah. I think, I think Mercury in the way you've told that tale is is a much more viable commercial property <laughs> for television. I think it, I think it could be written and staged today. Uh, I will split the vote. I will vote on Poseidon okay. on this one. Uh, in some case, to avoid a shutout, but because I think the world needs this kind of original and bizarre storytelling. And if we can learn one thing from Poseidon and all of his flaws, it's that he was an original. Yeah. And for better or for worse, there was nobody else like yeah, him, for sure, just like Johnny Bell yeah.
1: <laughs> So that is interesting. Well, I don't need to.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think we need a calculator to uh, to do the tally on this one. Uh, but I think I think we have a winner for this week's. Yeah, we Apple, do, and it is Mercury. It
1: is Mercury moving on to uh the next round so we will be back Damn. we're gonna go and choose our uh you use our um device to choose the next gods the fates will fates take care of it for it. us
0: i think we've got one more of these ba- head-to-head battles left and we have some special episodes which lead us to the end game more details to follow but we are getting into the fourth yes. quarter folks so you can feel the tension rising and that golden god or golden goat <laughs> will be uh, awarded before long, before summer's end. So excellent. We look forward to it. Uh, we will be back with you in the coming weeks. Listeners, thank you for joining us as always. Our gratitude to Andy snow for the theme music. Andy got to spend some time with him last weekend and he's always, always a joy. Uh, and you can get us anywhere. Apple podcasts, Amazon music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, right. you name it.
1: And if, you, if you've stuck around uh, with us for this long, you know, Give us a like, give us that five-star review. And, you know, if you've done it one place, you can do it others that, that my pillow guy won't know. It's not, <laughs> it's not against the law. Your secret safe so. with me. Yes, indeed.
0: You can find us on the socials. Always, always entertaining content to be had there. Yep. Uh, and of course, as always, check check the official God versus God playlist on Spotify. Every episode, two new songs befitting our contestants from the week before, chosen in fascinating ways. Yes. Well, that shall do it. Uh, Andrew, as always, a pleasure and an honor. It's been a good, rocking episode. I've enjoyed yeah. it. Hope you have yes. as well. And the same to all you folks at home. So with that, that's a wrap on episode nine. And God versus God, we'll be back with the big X in Roman numerals. Episode yes. 10, coming next. Until then, so long, everybody. Bye.